Welcome, everybody, to Iditarod's Tales from the Trail podcast. I'm your host, Kristen, and today's guest is Martin Boozer, four-time Iditarod champion, and he has also has 37 Iditarods under his belt. How are you, Martin, and welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm reasonably well for uh, for considering a dog musher that just did 100 miles on a sled. Yeah, um, so you're uh, out there training. I got back about uh, a little after midnight and was done with the chores at 1 o'clock and obviously slept for a few hours, and here I am. Wow, um, is that a regular schedule for you, or or just kind of changes every day? It pretty much changes every day depending on the temperatures, the snow conditions, and the need of the dog's uh, training schedule. So camping is an important part of their routine. And so we go out four or five hours and rest the dogs four or five hours and then come back uh, in four or five hours um, and teach them teach him about trail life. Well, I guess that would be good for the Iditarod since you're out at any hour of the day, uh, running or, or camping or, you know, coming into a checkpoint. Absolutely. That's a big, that's a big important part of their, their demeanor. So after, um, 37 I did rides, I bet you thought you have, you know, seen it all and done it all on the trail, but I guess we have to keep it interesting for you and change things up with, uh, COVID and this, this whole trail change it's a out and back this year oh absolutely well i i stopped saying i've seen it all after maybe 15 or 20 i did odds because i know better than that and uh, last year was a, a good example of that where after 36 i did odds i got to see new country coming into white mountain a way we have never come in before and uh, so that teaches that teaches you to say, "Oh no, we've seen it all." So when um, when we got the COVID, the COVIDity news, I call it the COVID rod. Um, we we were not really totally surprised. We're just exci- excited to have a race. Yeah, that's right. You um, the the Elim Eleven kind of group went went a little bit of a different way out there, uh, trying to get around that uh, overflow and water. Uh, due to that, all that weather, I guess. Um, flashing back to to there, I mean that definitely made things interesting last year too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that was a that was an interesting interesting. Uh, it became an adventure, really, more than a than a race. It just happened to be still while the race was going on. So we um, we just had to persevere on that one and learn, like I say, learned a new route into White Mountain. What do you think about um, the trail changes this year? Anything you are looking forward to? I mean, it's going to be a, a new experience doing a, a loop and back. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. Well, I'm looking forward to being back here. Uh, you know, hoping hoping to make it uh, in in one piece. There there will be some challenges coming our way. Uh, going. The return, the return trip will be quite, quite challenging for, for uh, probably all of us. 
Yeah, running running it backwards. Um, I can't imagine many people have run that trail backwards. Now, last year, um, I believe it was Jeremy Keller ended up mushing back due to COVID and you know needing to be home with his family. So he ended up running it backwards for a short distance. Um, but I don't I don't know if many other people have. Have you? I I guess I should ask if you've ever happened to run it backwards i've only run it backwards with snow machine i've not uh, i've not dared to take dog teams over some of those descents that we're gonna have to deal with this year so no i i have not and i actually i uh, checked in with jeremy a little bit and he he did have quite some some challenges coming down some of those sections since you're you're going in back you know we're coming back on the same trail do you think that will help because it would have already been um, mushed over, you know, run over? Maybe it'll be packed. Maybe you'll have, you know, a sense of what the terrain will be like. Maybe it'll be faster. I've, we've kind of talked about that with some other mushers that it'll be kind of packed already maybe. And if it hadn't snowed again, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. Not really. The the. The difficult sections will be in what we call the snow shadow. You know, as as most people know, I use the Hawaiian Islands as an example. There's a wet side and a dry side, and uh, the same holds true for our mountain ranges. There's a snowy side and a dry side, and um, a few of those places in question are definitely on the dry side. Their descents coming down places where there's very little or no snow and th and that of course is what creates the challenge interesting to um kind of hear these different perspectives of what the challenges <clears throat> are going to be this year and whether um the returning back is gonna help or hurt or you know make things a little bit difficult um and then with going up and down the steps do you think that's going to be part of the challenge, or do you think it's um, it'll be you know going up will be a little bit easier because you have maybe more control over the team going up? Um, what do you think about that part? I think a lot of people were wondering. <laughs> yeah, the, the steps are clearly overrated um, simply because they're they're a challenge going going outbound. They're a bit of a they're bit of a tricky situation going in the in the normal direction but then because we come back that way there's clearly uh it's clearly steep uphill so that's that's not those are not going to be any any problems coming back towards finger lake um there are sections that very few people know about it because they haven't done it more than a few times and if your brain is geared towards racing to know you don't really question how would you come back this particular decline or this particular section of the trail so i i think a lot of people haven't thought of some of those places that they're going to be most likely taken by surprise do you think um that the length as far as time goes of the race it will be it's shorter in miles um, but do you think it'll be about the same, like people are going to finish at about the same time or since it's a little bit unknown, maybe it'll take people 
about the same time usual because you know there's so many unknowns uh, it's just a really different different year um, we have a good handful of rookies maybe it'll be a little bit different for them since they haven't run this spe you know, specific trail at all <laughs> well rookies rookies of course will never have run the trail that's what makes them rookies so they uh, they won't know uh, they won't know how how different the trail is I predict it's going to be a seven or eight day race. Uh, the lack of snow has never slowed the race down any. If anything, it actually makes it faster. So the notoriously snow poor regions we're going to encounter twice. So um, if anything, I think it'll, it'll be a much faster race than in normal years. And, um, uh, you know, the, that gets the race over and done with, which is, like I say, we're just happy to have a race. Yeah, um, we're and we're still working really hard to get all those fine details, you know, figured out and uh, get all of all the planning done and and out all the information out to you to the mushers, so you're all ready to go. Um, so yeah, we are. Are is there anything in particular that you're planning different this year because of the the route change any like different gear you're, you need to bring or um a different plan as far as a strategy goes um yeah we're working on braking devices for our sleds we, we want to make sure our brake claws are are sharpened and our tracks are studded with lots and lots of cleats uh, that help us slow down the team um working on the response of the dogs, they need to, if they haven't been listening fantastically up to this point, they're going to need to listen really, really well to the, to the driver's commands. Um, so we're, uh, we're working on all that, but that's, you know, a good dog team always listens. But if you, if you have not taught them to do that, then you might regret, regret not having uh, spend a lot of time with your dogs, teaching them to listen. What do you um, foresee as far as weather goes? We have I'm in Wasilla here, and we really haven't had too much snow. And then when we got it, it ended up raining. Does it? Uh, did it end up raining where you're at? We uh, we have gotten a couple of rainfalls, and but we're fortunate to have weathered the the warm the warm time so to speak and it obviously settled out the existing snow quite a bit uh, it required us to you know drag trails and run with booties on and all that sort of typical stuff but we're overall we're very fortunate to have made it past some of those warm spells and um last yesterday was a good example we got a couple inches of fresh snow and it got the what, what little icy conditions we had got covered up with a with a beautiful blanket of a couple of inches of fresh cold snow. How are the the dogs coming along? Have you kind of set a team, or are you um, planning to bring some some young dogs out with you this year? It's always a winnowing process. We. We're fortunate to have Sean Williams run a group of our dogs when I did rut. So I gave him a a pretty experienced group of dogs, and I um, I started out with twenty one 
dogs that had the potential to be my 14-dog team. And yesterday I took 16 out of those 21, and one of them was a yearling. One of them is a Nunavut is a is a two-year-old, a little over two years. So um, him and his brother Prince Edward they still have a chance to be in my team, but you know, ultimately I can only take 14. So we'll, we'll the, the closer the race gets, the more we winnow it down to who's going to do what. And, uh, you know, one dog might excel in a, on a quote unquote warm race and the other dog might love a cold race. And, uh, one female might come into season and, you know, we, we hedge our bets obviously. And then, slowly but surely make the make the final decision sometimes the day of or or before the race and last year you ran uh, a full team of rookies um any any of those dogs coming with you oh, this yeah. year so oh yeah they are there there's a whole bunch of uh, my last year's uh, in their first in two years or so we call them yearlings i have a lot of my my last year's yearlings in the team and um, they are just, they're wonderful dogs. Well, that'd be, um, good to see them back this year since they had their really fun run last year and all of them, uh, came in with you to the finish. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun part, getting them all across the trail and we're not hung up on, on getting all the dogs to the finish line. We have the opportunity to send dogs home if they have the slightest issue and we, we definitely take the veterinarians up on that. So I, I, I stress the fact that we don't need to take them all to know. I, in fact, I'd rather send one home. We call them return dogs. I'd rather send one home if he or she has the slightest of a problem uh, rather than, you know, maybe overlooking a, an injury or a potential uh, wear spot on a dog. So um, when you take, when you get all across the finish line, that's that's a rare instance and definitely not not one of the priorities. And maybe not all mushers want to finish with a full team, and that kind of plays in too um, sometimes as far as strategy towards the end. Maybe they only want a certain amount of dogs coming in. Well, you might you might hear that, and people might tell you that. But what we're saying is, you want happy, healthy, strong dogs, and if if they're not healthy, happy, and strong, um, you're going to send them home for for their own benefit and hope that they're healthy, happy, healthy, and strong the next year. So we start with 14 dogs, and if you can't handle 14 dogs uh, at the, or if you can handle 14 dogs at the start, you can certainly handle them at the finish line. Do you think we'll see? Teams where more dogs will come, all all the full team will come in because it's a shorter and miles race. I guess maybe you know a couple hundred miles, same track yeah, my, back. Might be, um, of course, <laughs> going going in reverse. I I I would even be more selective than going along the coast where the travel the travel route is is fast and flat. Um, that's pretty easy on the dogs, whereas here we're going to end up with the last 200 miles being uh, pretty pretty challenging. So we're probably going to be even more selective and and um, say, I'd rather have 12 dogs coming down this gully than have 14 dogs coming down this, this drop-off. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Um, talking with 
mushers on on the podcast and just trying to see what they foresee challenges um you know what what differences and what's gonna affect um affect their run is very interesting to hear all the little details as far as changes go and what is going to be different everybody's nobody knows what's going to happen because you know we haven't run this section of race this way before so even your you know most versed Iditarod follower is um uh you know they're putting their thinking caps on just just to see how how we're gonna end this one and what what it looks like um it's definitely gonna be very interesting new and exciting for everybody um is there anything in particular you are you know kind of scratching your head about like huh what what is this gonna affect you or your dogs as far as your run goes well, I was always great at social distancing, you know. I, I got my tent and I got my uh, my camping spots. Um, not all of them picked out, but I know several places where it's it's actually probably more beneficial to stop in between checkpoints than in checkpoints. Um, and that's not so much COVID-based, but um, supply-based. For instance, if I have water available running fresh water out of a creek uh, such as tin creek is an example i might go through Rhone river where it's a half a mile walk to the water hole and a half a mile back walk to the water hole because sometimes there's not enough snow to melt so i'd rather mush on a little more a little farther with my supplies and then have have virtually unlimited uh, unlimited water available for the dogs and myself which saves me depending on how long I want to rest, a, a good water making takes about 30 to 40 minutes. And um, if I can just dip water and, and warm that up for my animals and myself, then that saves me 30 minutes of rest, which then will result in, I mean, will, will result in 30 minutes more rest for myself. That's a good point. Um, I wonder if anybody is thinking that way because of our checkpoint situation will be different we're not we're going to be kind of separate from um well i guess we're not really in very many checkpoints that are a you know a village or a town so and the water situation will be a little bit different because we're not all mingling you know we're not all um all together it's you know everything's trying to keep separate and so that will yeah that is an interesting thing to play into it um, every little detail, every little detail is going to be kind of different this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we greatly, of course, the, the drivership greatly encourages Iditarod to provide water, even if it's cold water, that's just good animal husbandry. We, we like our dogs to stay and our mushers to stay hydrated. And if you can provide, even if it's cold water, not only does it make it a lot easier on the entire team, but it's better for him. Um, simply because a, a slight dehydration is not a slight decrease in performance or comfort. Um, if you're two percent dehydrated, you're not performing two percent less. You're it's an exponential decrease in performance. So, but if you and, and that's why I'm I'm talking a lot about hydration. If you look at the flow of the race, we're going to Squintna, there's a water hole in the 
in the river. Then we go to Finger Lake. There's a water hole in the lake. Uh, then we go to Rhone or, I mean, Rainy Pass first. There's a water hole in the lake. Uh, then we go to Rhone and or beyond, there is water available. So the only two towns of of any any people impact are really Nikolai and McGrath. Um, and if, if the powers that be can provide a barrel of cold water or preferably a barrel of hot water, um, that would be wonderful. But then we go on to Ofer and, and we know we're probably going to have to melt snow there. And then we go on to Iditarod and we know we're going to have to melt snow there like, like always. Um, and then the return is the same, it's the same thing. So, so all of a sudden water becomes a very important aspect simply because we're used to it. And, and on a normal route from, from Iditarod on, all those checkpoints have water available for the dogs. Yep, very, um, yep, it's all all in the planning, and we are definitely planning out all those small details, and I know we have a, a musher meeting today, so I think a lot of those questions are going to be answered there as far as what uh, to plan. So we're definitely trying to make sure all the mushers have, you know, questions answered because things are so different, and... Um, Yep, keep that communication out there with you guys. So once we're done here, I'll uh, make sure you get that and uh, kind of confirm. Yeah, yep. Um, so how was uh, training? Now, is your summer training different than uh, your winter training? Obviously, it's summer and things are just a little bit different. But you also have... Um, tours you did you do tours usually in the summertime too for visitors uh normally um, yeah on a cold year. <laughs> yeah we were we were highly impacted by covid uh resulting in a uh virtually non-existent summer season for the tourists that don't make the dogs any different you know they get their they get their needs met on a year-round basis whether whether we have visitors or not but uh, we certainly didn't have a lot of tourists, that's for sure. Because most of our most of our uh, tourists come from the cruise to cruise ships. They do when they do their two or three days on land. One of the stops is at Happy Trails, and uh, we didn't benefit from that this year at all. Yeah, that's um, you know we're kind of in the same boat at Iditarod HQ. You know we didn't have a team, uh, you know, no puppies and no dogs for our fans to come in and visit us. So, yeah, it was, um, yep, it was a little bit different. Um, so hopefully this year, hopefully this summer, it'll be back to normal, uh, you know, as far as, you know, if there's a vaccine. So hopefully everyone is, you know, getting that and, uh, having themselves protected from COVID and things can go back to business, <laughs> back to business. Hope so. This summer. Um, <clears throat> but you do have, I've watched some of your, your videos with our insider crew. Greg has come out to your place and uh, videoed your team practicing and running and uh, they look very, very happy and fun fun they're like just having fun out there oh yeah they have no they have no issue with covid yeah they don't know, they don't know those words <laughs> <laughs> they're just 
They're just happy to be dogs. They're just happy running. And I think, I feel like you have this um, really, like, happy um, aura, you know. You're you're just, and your team kind of, I feel like, feeds off of that. It seems like to me, uh, dogs may feed off of their, a per- the personality, uh, you know, of their their uh, musher. Um, and that, I feel like, you know, you have this very positive uh, vibe about you. And it really shows, I think, in your dogs. And it's exactly what your uh, kennel is called. Happy, you know, Happy Trails is exactly uh, how it is at your place. And I think that's why so many, you have so many fans and you're, very successful and it shows in in your races and your the honors that you get um you know end up last year you had um a couple of race awards at the end there so yeah you're just a big um you you know favorite for everybody i think i appreciate you saying that yeah sometimes that uh that happy go lucky a uh, group of dogs gets you in trouble too. They're uh, they're kind of like a bunch of uh, unruly kids, but I like them that way. And obviously, that name didn't come by uh, without any thought. I I always said from the very beginning, if your dogs are happy and and are, are going down the trail um, willingly and happily, you have already won. So um, that's one of the many reasons we chose Happy Trails Kennel for our business name just to reflect how our dogs should feel. And um, they're what we call eternal children. And if we can keep them content, then then we've done right by them. And if, if a content dog wins a race every now and again, even even better. But um, if they've been happy all their life, then then you have won uh, every, every event. Yep, we are all about happy dogs, and they most certainly look like it. Um, with all of our, all of our Iditarod mushers, uh, including yourself, and I'm sure they're looking forward to this fun, different trail experience. Um, you know, it it sounds like you had a, you know a good number from last year coming over. Um, uh, do dogs maybe think they're gonna they're traveling to Nome? Your your veteran dogs are they gonna be okay and uh, just more interested about turning around? Well, you know, they definitely, we talk about that every now and again, how uh, how memory, how trail memory um, gets in your brain, not only the four-legged, but the two-legged people as well. And um, I mentioned Sean Williams, or I can mention my wife, that they go out on trails and then, even though they might have not been on those trails for a decade or in, in Sean's case, I think 12 years. And when he goes down those trails for the first time in over a decade, he all of a sudden remembers, oh, we did this or we came here or we went that way, which is uh, real interesting. All these 12 years, he's never spent a second or a fleeting thought about a particular trail section, but then as we're mushing down those places, they come back, they pop back in your memory, and you say, "What's up with that?" You know, that's a that's pretty interesting how your brain reacts to to places out in the middle of nowhere. And I know from watching my dogs, they're the same way. They 
they remember exactly where they were, even though some of them were over the trail only once or twice. And they still remember. And, um, of course, once we turn them around in Iberia, they'll remember, hey, we were here just a, a couple of days ago. They don't, they're not going to hold it against you that you're going back. They're actually going to be excited that, hey, we just, oh, cool, we just came from here. And um, then when you're back in Ofer, um, and I hope people remember that, we'll, uh, they will, hey, where do we park? We park, right? Well, we parked a uh, day and a half ago. So let's, uh, let's go over there. And the, the dogs are, are as or more trail savvy than we give them credit. And, and certainly every bit as uh, good at remembering places as we are. I think dogs are pretty amazing. Uh, they're pretty amazing animals and athletes. You know, it's it's so interesting. I think a lot of people who who don't mush or or maybe don't live in um, an area like we do, where it's very much outdoorsy. Um, as far as you know, how do you find your way? How do dogs find your way? Do you recognize those trails that you've been on? And it's just like being on a street you know, like a downtown street or something. So, um, and of course you've been doing this for a very long time and are used to all the trails, I'm sure. Um, but I bet there's people that, you know, new followers that uh, don't have those experiences are just kind of scratching their heads just how do you do it? Well, absolutely. And that's where the trail markers come in. You know, I... Last night was a good example. I uh, my midnight mush I did without a headlamp, and, the, and the, what looked like was a full moon was out, illuminating the the world. And I literally didn't need a headlight, but I also didn't need trail markers because I was running on relatively familiar trails. Now your rookie that is going to encounter the Iditarod Trail for the first time, he or she is going to greatly depend on on the trail markers that the Iditarod puts up because there will be, there will be choices of, of, of routes, uh, closer, the closer to the villages you get and, um, you know, getting close to Nikolai and then certainly getting close to McGrath. There's a myriad of choices because all those trail options are those people's network of travel. They might go to a fishing hole. They might go to a woodlot they might go to a neighboring village or a, a cabin in the woods. So it's uh, it's important that the trail is marked <laughs> not only for the rookies, but for the veterans as well, because I, I McGrath is a good example. I, in the 30-some years, I've probably come into McGrath on seven or eight different routes over the decades. And we just need to, we need to mark the trail for, for the people that have never come into McGrath one way or another. And so, so we can tell our dogs which way to go. Yep, and um, we are very much thankful for our our trail breakers and all our volunteers that kind of handle those things and get the trail marked and get everybody ready for the a safe a safe trail and drive through. So, Martin, before we kind of close it out here, did you have anything else to mention to everybody? Uh, everybody listening, anything uh, coming up for you? Um, be sure to tell people how to follow you on web and social. 
Well, on, on our, you know, our, on our personal social media, my wife, rather than chewing her fingernails, will give updates on our websites and Facebook pages and all that. And uh, but often she's in the dark as much as uh, everybody else. So that's when you go on to the Iditarod Tracker and you see where where each individual racer is. By I, I assume we'll carry a tracker or two again. Where, yes. Where, for a nominal fee, you can fire up the spot trackers and then uh, you can get a, a good idea of all your favorite teams, where they are, whether they're moving, whether they're resting or, or whatnot. And that's uh, and that's one one great way in, uh, of following the event. And then, of course, hopefully the, the Iditarod film crew, the insider crew, will be out there taking a lot of pictures and, and, and putting up putting up daily daily tidbits of, of footing. It might actually make it easier for them by only having an out and back so they could station uh, a camera or two in the various places and then just wait for the teams to come on a return. So they traveling only 400 miles in reality might actually make it easier for the insiders to maybe give a, a good good amount of coverage. Yeah, we are actually hoping that that will um, help the insider crew see more of the more of the race. Sometimes they have to move on up, you know, to follow the the leaders. But this way, we'll we'll hopefully see more of the spread of the pack and maybe more of the back of the pack coming into uh, checkpoints a little bit easier this year. And of course, um, weather delays that move for them uh, up the trail too so we're thinking it, it's it's gonna be very good coverage um more full coverage of everybody this year with the insider out there so yeah i, I think that's uh what what's gonna happen is just better coverage so and yep everybody can still follow mushers through the gps which is gonna be kind of interesting this year, once um, people see mushers going back down the trail, <laughs> so that's going to be kind of fun for everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll definitely you know send people your way through your website, which is um, Happy Trail Martin Boozer's Happy Trails. Uh, go ahead and tell us what your website is again. I think it's boozerdog.com, but I. I... Uh, my my wife is the is the techno wiz, but she she does everything on she does the mass media and the social 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 media and all that has has put up a really comprehensive website. But uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the moving pictures will be on on uh, her Facebook page or our Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll be sure to get those links in here so people can jump to your website or jump to your Facebook page uh, and know where to follow you um, in the off-season and during. All right, Martin. Well, thank you for uh, coming on the show. I'm very happy to talk with you. Um, there's just so much to think about for this year's race, and um, I definitely wish you luck, and we will... See you on the trail. Sounds good. Thank you very much.